Job chapter 1, verse 13. Job chapter 1, verse 13. The setting of our reading today is in the land of Uz. Uz was located in the western part of the Arabian Desert, near the country of Chaldea. The Bible says in Job 1 and 1, and there was a man whose name was Job, and he was a perfect man, upright before God. He feared God and eschewed evil, which means that he avoided, stayed away from evil. And verse 13 says, And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses were feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Now that would be a pretty bad situation. But notice verse 15. While he was yet speaking, more bad news. There came also another and said, the fire of God. Notice, the fire of God is fallen from heaven. Wow. Pretty impressive, huh? The fire of God is fallen from heaven and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Let's bow our heads together for we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your great word. We're so thankful, Father, in your word contains history. It's a love story. It's a historical book. It's a book of geography. It's a book of people's wrongs. It's a book of promises. It's a book of comfort. In it, Lord, contains so many Wonderful, wonderful things. And we thank you for your precious book today. I pray that you would help me to be able to reach into the history, into the drama, into the aspects of great people of faith, to be able to bring something that will be a help to your people today, Father. We all are needy. I've heard many needs expressed already. Lord, I'm thinking of those that are still dealing with sicknesses and things in their body. 
For those, Father, who are still dealing with loved ones that have gone on, yesterday, Lord, having to go over to Virginia and bury another young man, 28 years old, from a good godly family, the short family. I pray for them today, Lord, that you would just help them. May the Spirit of God comfort their hearts and strengthen them, as well as others in our assembly here today and around the world. We believe you're the God who can comfort us when no one else can. Speak to us today, Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints of God said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Keep your Bible there and let's continue reading in verse 17. So the first messenger says that they were plowing with the oxen and they were feeding the asses and the Sabaeans came and took them all away. While he was yet speaking, another one came and said, the fire of God has come down from heaven and burned up all the sheep. And the servants were also burned up. Verse 17 says, while he was yet speaking. I want you to think of what a scenario that this must have been. The man did not have a couple of days, a couple of weeks, or a month to go from one great traumatic thing to another. But one messenger standing there and giving him this terrible, awful news. And while he is yet speaking, another one comes in the door and starts telling him more bad news. Now, I want to speak to you again today on the absolute. And you better believe Job needed one. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only and escaped alone to tell thee while he was yet Speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men word actually men, there's people. So it's the young people, Job's family and servants. And they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. It shows that awful things can happen to good people. And not just one or two things every now and then. But one blow after another, after another. 
Now remember, Job is actually the oldest book in the Bible, older than Genesis. So Genesis was not written when this happened to Job. As a matter of fact, Job had no written word. He had no Bible, no quotes, no tapes, no quote books, no pastor, no deacon. He had no committee to come and encourage him. But Job had an absolute. Now, the way that the writer, we're not even sure who actually wrote the book of Job, but he writes it in such a way to project the mysterious part about the will of God. So the wind come, and here's proof again that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. As he is churning today down in the Gulf of Mexico with a Cat 4 hurricane that will be making landfall sometime this evening. And we know that since man fell and gave away his title deed to the earth, then Satan became the prince of the power of the air. So he has ability to stir up wind and he understands barometric pressure, straight line winds and vertical and horizontal winds and the way that they move. He understands the way the sun is able to warm the temperature and cause the thermal waves to move and the way they come over the mountains and so on. So he, he knows a lot about this earth, hemisphere, stratosphere, all that we're living in. So he gets into all of that to be able to manipulate it. But he loves to do these things and then turn around and blame it on God. And if you read your insurance policy, if it's like mine, and probably most of those in America, it will have those little small words that are written in the fine print called an act of God. Now, let me just tell you today, it is not our father that is down there in Hurricane Ida that is gonna make landfall and do all kinds of destruction and take all kinds of people's lives. But Satan loves to do those things and then hide behind the name of God or the act of God. As you can see the writer here in one of these verses call the fire that come down out of heaven, fire from God. No doubt they attributed the great wind and this was quite normal and is so even today and this part of the desert that the winds can start moving in in the desert and I've spent time myself in the desert and it's amazing how it can be so hot during the day. And then as it begins to cool and the temperatures drop and how the same place can be so cold at night. And even without trees and without great bodies of water to be able to regulate and affect the barometric pressure and the condensation necessary for storms. Yet the winds can travel for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And this is no doubt what happened 
One of the winds that would be a norm over the western part of the desert in Saudi Arabia. And it came while all of Job's children were gathered together. Now, we know this great event transpired uh, because there had been a meeting which had taken place. Now, let's look at all of the losses in one day. And I would like to challenge any individual who is here today or under the sound of my voice streaming. If any of you have had equivalent to this or more, please email me. And if you are here present and you've had equivalent to this or more happen to you in one day, please raise your hand and we will signify that you are a person of great faith. I don't say that derogatory now. I say it because I believe and mean it. In one day, he lost seven sons and three daughters. Now, I've had a lot of funerals to preach in the last few weeks, but how would you like to have been the preacher that preached those? Ten children of one man and one woman. And he was not a backslider. He was not a hypocrite. He was not a secret sinner. He was the most righteous, noble man in the land. Is that right? Seven sons and three daughters. In one day, I wrote this down so I'll be sure and remember it. Job was stripped of his wealth. 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, 3,000 camels, 7,000 sheep were struck by lightning, and all 10 children by a windstorm. Now, he was not allowed a span of time in between each of these. Now, we all are familiar with trauma, and we're familiar with distress, and we know how that it triggers something within not only our spirit, but our bodies, and we've all seen so much of it, more than our share. I'm sure we feel that way, and as we've been, been dealing with uh, several people passing away, and we see the loved ones in the family, whether it be a wife or a husband or sons or granddaughters or whatever it is, and we stand there and we watch them. And you know, sometimes as a minister and I, as I stand near where they are, I feel like I'm on a, a sacred ground, as it were, that really no other mortal should experience because you're, you're entering into something that is so deep and something that is so private between this, this person and this loved one that is gone or this family. And you are there and you're watching their body tremble and shake. And you cannot see it because we're limited by our sight of seeing their spirit, but how their spirit is so affected by this. And even if they're not emotional people, they will shake and tremble, many times quiver. They will buckle, their knees will buckle, and they will cry, and they will mourn and lament. 
And it's because of this trauma. And this trauma is not just psychological. It is psychological, but it is emotional. It is physical. It contacts every aspect of our being. And it feels like that it becomes so great that you do not want to live. I'm sure there's people sitting here today whose loss has been not so far away. And some of you are still trying to focus on what am I going to do with the rest of my life? My life is of no value because the love of my wife, whether it was your husband or your wife, is taken from me. I have nothing to live for. I have nothing that I feel like will ever bring me joy or happiness again. But let me speak to you today and tell you as your brother, if you will allow God, if God in his wisdom took that family member from you, then our God makes no mistakes. We believe that. But yet we know in times of such pain and sorrow and agony, it can be hard for us to look at a scenario and think, how could this be the will of God? How could something that has brought such sorrow, such difficulty, and such trouble ever bring honor and glory and praise to God? And I agree with you, there are times in our lives that we have to look by the eyes of faith and look beyond what we are dealing with currently and presently and be able to say somehow that God will work this for our good. I want you to notice now in Job chapter 1 verse 20, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground, is this man out of his mind, and worshiped? He just lost thousands of sheep, hundreds of donkeys, hundreds, thousands of camels. He's lost seven sons and three daughters, and his reaction is worship. I wonder if he didn't understand something about worship that we are yet to learn. Because it's so hard for us when things are difficult for us to worship. Now, we can feel it in the church, and we know the church has been through a great time of trauma. We can sense it spiritually, but I can also see it in your worship. I can see it when you come in and you sit down and the song leaders can feel it. The musicians can feel it. The people streaming can feel it. They can feel the heaviness that is upon us as a body. Is that normal and natural? It is. If it's not, then there's something wrong with us. But yet I believe there's also a key during the time of our great trauma and difficulty, and that is the key and the power of praise. That we praise him when we feel like it, and we praise him when we don't. We praise him when things are going good, and we praise him when things are going bad. Now Job had learned somehow by this revelation that God had given to him there was great, great power in praise. Now remember, he didn't have a Bible, so Psalms 150 was not written yet. Psalms 133, Psalms 48, many of the great praise Psalms of the Old Testament, Job knew none of them. 
The gospel songs that you and I sing about today, they were not written. There were nobody there to be able to come and comfort him. What we call Job's comforters actually turned out to be tormentors. So he really didn't have anybody, even his beloved wife, which had given birth to these 10 children, eventually she turned against him as well. And yet, at the beginning, at least in the stage of this great thing, Job was able to keep this balance and listen and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now, no doubt in his mind, he is wondering. Now, this is the initial stage, of course, of the trial. And we know that Job in time became changed because trials can do that to us. As they are prolonged and as they keep on going and it seems like there's no reprieve, it can affect our spirit. It can affect our worship. It can affect our understanding. It can affect our psychological view. It can affect so much about us, even as the children of God. And this is why it's so important to keep our praise going, even when things aren't good. Because the Lord Jesus is praiseworthy no matter what you're dealing with. But you know, Job, unlike us today in retrospect, we can look back and read the book of Job and we know, of course, what was going on. But Job did not know that. Remember, the book of Job was not written. So Job, unlike you, having the book of Revelation, you're able to read in the back of the book. You can flip over to the back and you see the back and you see the devil is gonna be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And you see that we're going to have new bodies and we're going to live forever. So we have these things to look forward to because we have a written word. Job had not one page of written scripture. So he did not have the verse that said, I will never leave you or never forsake you. I will be with you all the way to the end of the world. Job did not have the scripture. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Job did not have the scripture. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Job had none of these things, and yet Job still had an absolute. Now, where was his absolute at? It was not written. It was not on a piece of sheepskin or written on a stone. It was not on an iPad. It was not upon some type of magnetic tape, but yet he had to have something in order to get him through this trial. Where was it? It was within him. Now it was a revelation from God that God had given a simple way to be holy in that day and Job had kept it and he believed God would keep his word. Now Job did not know also about this prior meeting which was held in heaven. Turn with me if you would to Job chapter one verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth 
and from walking up and down in it. Now, if you want to know what the long tongue blabbermouth does day by day, he just told us. He goes up and down through the earth and walking up and down in it. What is he? A troublemaker. He's a COVID maker. He likes to bring divorce. He likes to bring sickness and trouble and all kinds of heartache. Look, friend, COVID, oh, Satan loves every aspect of COVID. He loves not only the aspect of sickness and the disease part and the death part that it brings to many, but he loves the confusion that COVID brings. He loves that people get on Facebook and argue about it. He loves it because one doctor says this and another doctor says that. And this person will say this and another person will say that. He loves for people to be confused. He loves for people to argue. Well, I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. He loves for them to argue and fuss. Let's be spiritual enough to realize whenever Satan is the author of this, we ought to be grown up enough to know that whenever Satan tries to bring contention, division in our church, it's not from God, it's from the devil. So Satan walking up and down in the earth and he's doing the same thing today. Now I want you to notice this in the Lord in verse eight, said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? In other words, you're kind to Job and you're giving him things and that's the reason that he's serving you. That's the reason it ain't really because he loves you with all of his heart. He's serving you because he's got all these children, he's got all these cattle, he's got all this wealth. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land, but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath. He will curse thee to thy face. So God gives a testimony of what Job is. Satan gives a testimony of what Job will do. Which one's going to win? Now that, we have to give credit for the devil. We can knock him down. We can beat the tar out of him. And he still gets back up and he's ready on Monday morning. Or likely be ready after service today. So no matter what God said and what a positive affirmative action that God took toward Job, Satan somehow still believed that he would be able to bend Job away from this testimony that God had. Now isn't it wonderful that Almighty God testifies about people this way in heaven? Some of y'all are scared to say amen to that, ain't you? Now, it's a tremendous thing that God, now remember, this is before the blood of the Lord Jesus. Job did not have a new birth. He did not have a baptism of the Holy Ghost, but he did have an absolute for that day. And that absolute for that day kept Job through what he was fixing to go through. So God knew the integrity of his servant. 
And God knew the man's heart, but Satan only thought he knew Job's heart. Now to me, this is where a lot of it comes in, that Satan does not have omnipotent power to look into the soul and into the nature of a human being. Satan studies this, and of course, and he sees our weaknesses and tendencies that each of us have, and he's saying, well, if God would get this out of the way and remove this hedge, then I can really crank down the pressure on that old boy, and I'll see his weakness. I'll see that strain that runs in his family. I'll see that strain that runs in her family, and if God will take back his hand, I believe I can make him compromise. I believe I can make her bow down to me. But God said, no, you can't. Now, Brother Bam tells us the reason that God knew Job this way was that he had been fellowshipping with Job. Oh, what a testimony to have. So God and Job had been testifying. Now, this didn't happen about five minutes now before the trial, but God and Job had been big time friends. So God and Job had been buddies, as we would say, and they'd had fellowship one with another, and God revealed the absolute for that day to Job. Now, it had not been revealed to his family, it had not been revealed to his wife, apparently, and it had not been revealed to his friends. Only Elihu, Christ, of course, was the one that connected with the absolute of the day. So Job was the only man of that day that the revelation had come clear to. So God had said, nope, you can't do it. I know him, I've been fellowshipping with him. We've been hanging around one another, as we'd say, and then why I know Job, Job knows me, and Satan, now notice, so Satan says, and the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he has is in thy power. All that he has is in thy power. Let me just tell you something this morning, friends. Even Satan cannot do something to God's people without God allowing him or giving him permission. Now remember the hedge was the power of the word. Now it was not that there was a rail like this or a concrete block wall or a titanium fence or something like that, but the hedge was an invisible hedge by the spoken word. Now when God said, all that he has is in your power, God is simply drawing back the hedge, which was the power of the word. So once God allowed Satan through the word, then he says, all right, I will give everything that he has is in your power. So the hedge, which was the word, was pulled back. Only, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now we know that there's different names in the Old Testament that identify the name of God. He was El, Elah, Elohim. He was El Shaddai. He was, uh, you know, many, many different titles name. But the book of Job, it's really amazing the way that the writer writes this because he calls him Almighty God. Now this is used 31 times, actually right here in the first few verses of this setting for of these couple of chapters. So the writer wants us to know that who is in charge of this whole scenario is the almighty God. Now, it is not just El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tiskanu, but it is the Almighty God. So this shows us when we go through great trauma and great trials of life, that it is the Almighty God that is watching over us. And remember, Satan might want to get you to think he is Almighty, but he is a liar. 
There's only one almighty God, and that's your father. Is that right? So God now is going to do something that seems very, very strange. That he's going to turn a man and his property and his possessions over to the power of the enemy that the enemy might be able to touch him. Brother Ram says that this one, the absolute. Look at Job. Now he had an absolute. Everything went wrong for that man, a just man. And Wood would be daring to say that he wasn't just because God said he was. There was no one on earth like Job. He was perfect in the sight of God and he knew it. Now notice, he was perfect in the sight of God and he knew it. Now this is important when you're facing a battle. When you are facing a battle, a great trauma in your life, you must know that God knows where you are and you must also know that you have a right standing with the Lord. Now myself and I'm going through something I'm trying to discern by the Spirit of God. Is this a trial that I'm going through or is this something of disobedience that I've done to the Lord? Have I said something that I shouldn't have said? Did I not say something I should have said? Or have I missed the Lord somehow? And whenever I go to the Lord in prayer, Lord, please help me to see this because if God's allowing me to go through something, I don't want to rebuke it. Right? But if Satan is punching after me, I don't want him to hide one of his punches behind what he calls a trial when it's not a trial at all. It's just him trying to steal my victory. So it's important for myself and also important for you to go to the Lord. Lord, please help me. Is this a trial of my faith? Or have I done something wrong? Lord, are you allowing something to come upon me as a whip? Well, if that's so, Lord, then I don't want to rebuke it. So I go before the Lord and I pray and I pray. And you know, many times the Lord doesn't tell me anything. He doesn't say yes or no or one or the above or I don't give him a whole list to check. So the Lord says absolutely nothing to me. Anybody ever been there? Oh, okay, I figured there'd been more than that. I didn't realize the Lord spoke to all the rest of you. Now I know why he don't have time to talk to me. So myself, I do not take silence as God did not hear me. I do not take silence as God ignoring me, but if I sincerely am asking my father, Father, is there something I've done wrong? Is there something out of cater in my life? Lord, help me to know, is there something there? Is there something I need to make right? I take my father's silence as an answer that there's nothing there because I know him. And I know that he loves me and I love him. And if I sincerely am asking him and there's something I gotta straighten out, he knows there's no way for me to straighten it out if he don't tell me what it is. So if he does not answer me, I don't say, oh no, oh no, God's forsaken me. Oh no, he ain't answering me. Yes, he did answer me by his silence. You say, that's crazy. No, it's not. Paul said in the New Testament about the women not being able to preach, Paul said, said, as also saith the law. But when you get time, I want you to go through every verse of the law, and I want you to find me one word, not a verse, but one word, in the Hebrew where it said women were not allowed to speak the Torah. I want you to find me one word where it said they were not allowed to speak. Well, either that or you can take my word for it. The word does not say they can't, but it does not say they can So Paul was quoting the silence of the law. Well, praise the Lord. 
So the silence of the law is where he substantiates in the New Testament that women cannot get in the pulpit and preach. Well, praise God. So the silence of the law then was where he's able to verify this. And it ought to be the same way as you and I would pray with all of our hearts. And if the Lord doesn't tell you anything, apparently that means there's nothing to tell. There's nothing in your way. There's nothing out of cater. So then you know how to approach that, that God in his wisdom is allowing you to go through a trial. Then you can hold your head up during that trial and trust that God will give you grace and strength. Now, remember that Job was a a man of great, great faith and, and great position. He was the greatest man in the East at this time. So he was a man of noble character and no doubt surrounded by great people. And Job said whenever he would go to the marketplace that the people would come up and all just to be able to speak to him and get a word or two of his wisdom because he was a man of great resound wisdom and understanding. And just for them, oh, Brother Joe, how are you? God bless you, brother. God bless you. Could you, you got a word for us today from the Lord God? Have you got something you'd like to drop with us? And my, they'd just, they'd just be in awe of this man's presence. But God had a, a great plan for Job, and it wasn't just blessing, but it was to prove his faith. Now, Job was unaware of what you and I just read. If God would have said, no, wait a minute, Job, don't get all upset because I'm just going to let you know what's going on here. Uh, I had a testimony in meeting about you up in heaven, and I was testifying about what a great boy I had down on the earth, how faithful you were, how true you were, how honest, sincere, and so on, and then my enemy challenged my testimony. So the enemy challenged the testimony service and I figured out the best way to resolve this this testimony dispute was to prove you before him and prove he is a liar. Don't you understand God many times uses our lives to prove that the devil ain't nothing but a lying devil that's going to hell and gonna be burned up one day and he ain't gonna use angels to prove it. He's gonna use children of God like you and I that cry and weep and lament and have burdens and troubles and heartaches? Absolutely. That's the way our Father does it. Once you notice here again, the prophet said, when everything seemed to be contrary, sickness broke out. His friends might have said, now there you are, Job. That proves you are sinning. You're wrong. And then the bishops come down and they call Job's comforters. Instead of comforting him, they see nothing but sin in his life because God had dealt with him the way that he did. His children was killed, his property was burned, everything went wrong. Even his own life in jeopardy sitting on an ash heap, oh my. Broke out from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet with boils. And his lovely sweet companion, the mother of those children said, you should curse God and die the death. But in the face of all that, Job had an absolute. Happy Valley, what's yours? Every individual, what's your absolute? Well, mama and daddy, mama and daddy's good, but you better have a deeper absolute in your soul. Mama can't get in your soul. Notice this, he said, in the time of sickness, if we could only tie ourselves to that absolute. Job knew that he had done Jehovah's bidding. 
He had faith in what he had done because Jehovah required it. If we can just do that, Jehovah required a burnt offering for his sin and Job not only for himself but for his children had made a burnt offering and that's all God required. Oh, you might say, I wish that's all he required of today. It's less than that. Just faith in his word. God requires less of you and I today than he did of Job. Just faith in what God says. Oh, if you make his words your absolute, any divine promise of the Bible, you can die your soul to it. No matter how much the waves whip you around, you're still tied to your absolute. Now, we know, of course, at phase one of this trial, that Job proved faithful. His integrity was right exactly where God had said it would be. But we know the trial goes on and it intensifies. Job chapter two, verse three, and the Lord said unto Satan, as thou consider my servant Job, there's none like him in the earth, perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil. Now God updates the testimony. <laughs> Oh, glory to God. If you'll notice, God says word for word what he said before, but Job had sent a fresh update to heaven. And God updated his testimony because of the behavior of his son. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And still he holdeth fast his integrity. Oh my. Now God must update. Now God didn't just say the same thing that he said last time, but God gave a revised version, amen, of what was going on. He wanted to let the devil know. Now God wasn't just saying what he had said, but he was saying what he had said plus what Job did, and that made the new declaration or the mandate of the day, the Logos. So here God, can you imagine Almighty God quoting, Almighty God quoting the success of the life of a believer on the earth that has come through such trauma and come through such difficulty and it so moved the very being of Adonai that he upgraded the testimony and the confidence that he had to say, oh my, as we do in the testimony, well, I wanna thank God today that the Lord saved me and gave me the Holy Ghost and the Lord done this or that or the other and then you go through a trial and maybe you get a chance again in a month or two. I'd like to testify and say thank God for saving me, thank God for giving me the Holy Ghost, thank God for bringing me through this trial. I just come through, what are you doing? You're acting like God. You're updating what God has brought you through. And God said, I wanna let you know, devil, I've got a son down on the earth. He wasn't just faithful, but he still is faithful. He is faithful to my word. He has his integrity. He believes what I said. Oh, children. I wonder what Papa has been saying about us in the last few weeks. 
We've given him a lot to say over the years, but he don't want to just repeat the past. He wants to update with the present. (laughs) See, this is the kind of child of God that you and I ought to want to be. To where that our father just doesn't repeat our initial testimony that we were saved from sin, filled with the Holy Ghost, and accept the message of the hour. And God says the same thing about us for the next 75 years. I don't want that. Oh, I love that. But I want it added to. I said I want it added to. Oh, my, my, my. I want my testimony so reverberating in heaven that God weekly, because that's how often it seems like I'm getting hit anymore. My, don't you? You understand what I'm saying? You've heard me say it before. Boy, it seemed like years and years ago, the mountaintops, my, 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 you'd get up on them. It was just days and weeks and months up on a mountaintop. And then you go back down in the valley and up on the mountaintop. But anymore, it's like this. You better be careful. You better not sleep. You'll miss your mountain shores the world. And them valleys are longer and deeper, my, and they're more depressed than they ever were before. But I want Almighty God to be able to say about me, to be able to say about our church, Satan, have you took notice of Happy Valley? They're still loving me. They're still praising me. They're still going to church. They don't understand, they don't understand this, they don't understand that, but Satan, they're still living for me. You said they'd turn their back on me. You said the pastor would compromise. Once again, he burnt your hide again this morning, devil. My children worship me, they loved me, they praise me. They are proving what I already said, you are a liar. He still hold us fast. His integrity, although thou movest me against him. I'll tell you one thing, friends. We have got quite an enemy now. But don't fear him. You're more than conquerors. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. If Almighty God could say this about a man before the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. What can God say about blood-washed saints filled with the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Now watch old Blabbermouth. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, all that a man hath, he will give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he'll curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. I want you to notice 
Satan told God to do it. You see, he's a master of impersonation. But I want you to notice who did it. Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot until his crown. And he took him a pot shared, which is a piece of broken pottery, to scrape himself with all and sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou retain thine integrity? Lord, have mercy, children. If you got a good wife or a good husband, who in the world would you confide in more? Who would be a greater comfort to you than all the trials and things you're going through than your companion? And Satan got on her. Oh, but he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speakest. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin. I want you to notice with what? Oh, some of you don't smoke, you don't drink whiskey, you don't do marijuana, this, that, and the other. But you're saying right here, I ain't talking about cussing. I'm talking about speaking out undefeat, or defeat rather, than unbelief. Well, God don't love me. God don't care for me. You're sinning with your mouth when you say that. You're saying things that are not true. Oh, my. Now, notice the news makes it over to Job's three friends. Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him. They came every one from his own place. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bill. Bildad, the Shuite, Zophar, the Nebuchadnezzar. For they had made an appointment to come together to mourn with him and to comfort him. They'd been better off stay at the house, wouldn't they? Now listen to verse 12. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not. Harry, he was so disfigured by disease. He was so changed by affliction. The last time they'd seen him, Mive still had that crown of life and no doubt his skin was a healthy color and his spirit was vibrant. And, oh, he had this something, this spring in his step and he had his health. But his friends, can you imagine them as they're seeing and they they come upon Job's estate. Brother Wayne, as they walk up near, they see the fences are broken down. And they see his crops are all withered. His trees and his shrubs around his house was in horrible shape. The shingles, as you can relate to it, had blown off of his roof. His doors are hanging sideways on his house. There was no one there to meet them. And the closer they got, Job was sitting out in the yard, throwing dust and ashes upon himself, which was their custom as a sign of grief. And as they looked and looked, they said, Oh God, oh God, no. That can't be Job. They didn't even recognize. 
You imagine big boils, open sores, which would make scabs. And then he would take the pot shirt and rub the scabs off to try to make them heal. His wife had got bitter against him. Honey, would you bring me a drink? Job said, I spoke to my servants, but they refused me. Hey, so-and-so out in the barn, come and bring me some shade. I'm hungry. The servants laughed, mocked his wife's voice. Her breath became strange to him. So he just sat there to scrape himself and mourn. Oh, God. What have I done? What have I done? Not one thing wrong. How can this picture make sense? His cattle are gone. His wealth is gone. His children is gone. His wife is there, but she's gone too in reality. She's gone from his heart. His servants are still hanging around, but they're gone too. And it seemed like God is gone. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. His sickness and trials had so emaciated his body. You imagine him, his skin all drawn up, skinny. His skin just pulled over a frame of a shell of a man that he was. His face sunk in. His eyes, circles around his eyes, blacks in the bottom. Poor old fella sitting out there and the flies blowing him. Coming and eating the pus. The most righteous man on the earth. The most perfect man on the earth. You see why Laodicea don't like this kind of preaching? Their idea of the most perfect man on the earth is a guy that's got a set of Rolls Royce keys. Lives in a 10,000 square foot house. That's just his little summer cottage. Oh, but he's this and that and the other because that's what Laodicea considers blessings. I ask you, which would you rather have? The mouth of God to testify about you in heaven and look like you have nothing in this earth or to be the richest man on the earth and God Almighty to say about you, I do not know you. Give me the other. Amen. Notice this, friends. Verse 13, so they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights and none spake a word unto him. They were so affected by what they saw, they just couldn't believe it. But they, they didn't know what to say. They just sat there day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, on for seven days. 
Never said one word. I've had a few of them comforters around, ain't you? And sometimes some of the words they say, you'd been better off if they'd kept their mouth shut. How did this man take it? The absolute. Almighty God spoke to him an arama word and said, do this and you will be just. You remember reading in the first chapter how that the Bible says that the sons and the daughters had gathered together at the eldest son's house and they drank wine and they were eating and Job said, peradventure, my children might have done something wrong. Peradventure, they might have said something wrong or they might have got carried away and they might have done something wrong against God. And Job applied the token to his house. Hallelujah. Don't give up on them children of yours. Oh, they're wavered, Brother Donnie, they're backslid. They may be now, but it might be your faith that'll move on their heart and bring them back in. Don't give up on them, friends. Job believed that God not only gave this to him, but he believed he gave him his children. You imagine as they come up and they sit down cross-legged as they would sit at that time. And they just stared and stared and stared. What is going to their mind? This man is a sinner. There's something wrong with him. I always felt funny about him anyway. I always knew there's something about him. I hate that kind of discernment, don't you? <laughs> but their testimony wasn't matching God's. You see, when they went to criticizing Job, when they went to saying all these things against him, every word they said against the personage of Job was blasphemy compared to what God said. When things are going wrong for people, be careful what you say. It's easy for us to pass them. Oh, there must be something wrong with that person. Must be something wrong with them. Must be something wrong with them. There may not be nothing wrong at all. God may have done had a testimony meeting up there in heaven and they're fulfilling what God said about them. Well, God, God moved for this brother, Donnie, and God healed this brother of COVID and then God let this other one go on. That's right, and the same people prayed for both. So you know what we have to do? We have to commit it to the wisdom and the providence of God that apparently God wanted to heal this one and take this one home. Because the devil cannot do anything to us without permission from the hand of God. Do I understand where we are? Do I understand everything we're going through? I do not. But I know my father well enough to know he is not a God of chaos. He is not a God of trouble. He is not a God of confusion. And I know the devil well enough to know he cannot take you or I until our father is done with us. And when God is done with me in life, I'm finished with life. Let's stand. Don't worry, we'll get old Job took care of. You just. I love the way Brother Ram says this in page 13. Then when he come to that spot, when that absolute held, finally he began to feel the string tighten up.
has been running loose. Now, so you'll understand the setting of this, Brother Branham had talked about a man that was walking down the street one day, and he seen a little boy with a string in his hand. And the man asked the little boy, Sonny, what are you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. Well, he said, I can't see no kite. He said, well, no, I don't see it either. He said, well, how do you know it's there? He said, I feel the pull and the string. And the string is tied to the absolute, Brother Ben said. So he identified the kite as being the absolute, and the string is tied to the absolute. So every now and then, we feel a little tug. Aren't you glad you still feel the tug? So I can't see it. I don't know where it's at. It's so far out of sight. This is what had happened to Job. Brother Ben said he began to feel the string tighten up that had been running loose, bouncing around, and it began to tighten up and the spirit come on him. And he stood up being a prophet and said, I know my redeemer liveth. He had tightened up to his absolute. He had come in contact. Maybe the winds, friends, in the last few weeks or months, whatever it is, has blowed around you and you, you, you don't feel that pull just exactly right. The tension. May the Holy Ghost come by this morning and let it tighten up a little bit. Oh, I don't know about you. Sometimes I love to dance and shout, but sometimes it does my heart so much good just to feel a little pull, just a little tug. Sometimes it don't take much. Oh, glory to God, Brother Jimmy, it don't take much. Just, just a little something every now and then. It's just like, yep, it's still there. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't smell it. I don't taste it, but I know it's there. Why? I still feel the pull on the string. Let's bury it. Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, I know this has been a simple thing today, but I felt in my heart to go this way so Simple as it may be, yet I believe sent by you to our needs. So, Father, I pray you'd help each man, woman, boy, or girl, young person that's going through a trial, a testing time, and we know that many are and have been. Father, our our country, our world has been under this demon of COVID. Lord, it's certainly not affected us the way it has Others in many other places, we know that, but we have had our fair share of it. Even today, Brother Tim and them unable to have service just out of precaution because of, of it again and another round affecting them and others the same way. Lord Jesus, be mindful of us, Father. Deliver us from this evil, Lord God. We need you, Lord. We need you right now. We need you, Jesus. You and your wisdom chose to let some of your children come home this via this COVID taxi, as it were. You slipped a bunch of them out during this time frame. Makes me wonder if going home time ain't getting closer and closer because there sure has been a bunch going this last year or so. Praise God. 
Oh, Father, I pray you would help us. Sometimes the wind blows around us, Lord God. Can't keep from alarming us as humans. You yourself, when you knew you were facing death, the book of Hebrews tells us that you feared it. You allowed yourself to experience fear. Help us, Father, when Satan will send his hounds of hell, as it were, and they blow their hot breaths right on our trail, and we're saying, oh, God, they're going to get us. They're going to get us. But may we stand still and know that we have an absolute. Oh, how we thank you for the Bible. How we thank you for every message book, every tape we have, every God called man, every church, every pastor. But how we thank you also for that personal absolute that we have in our soul, the baptism of the Holy Ghost that seals us to the day of our redemption. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you come by today, Lord, and minister strength, healing, Father, you see we're still just dealing freshly with some that have passed. Lord God, we pray for each one of them, Lord. Would you comfort their hearts today? Dear God, move for the Bab family, Lord. Lord Jesus, Sister Linda Nunley. Oh, Lord, the Daly family. Oh, God, the Gisson Denner family still, I know, still missing Brother Randy. I still miss him too, Lord. Heard a song the other day he sent me. I thought my tears well up in my eyes. Lord, I still miss Brother Homer Arnold. I still miss different ones that died years ago when I first come here because they're part of our family, Lord. But we believe we'll crest every wave. The stabilizers have been put out in the ship. And Satan's thought many a time he would sink this old ship of Zion, but he's not done it yet, and he'll never be able to, because she's unsinkable. We're not a spiritual Titanic that we can make all of our brags and our boast, and we wind up in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. But we confess what the Word says. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So it's not our reputation at all that's at stake. It's yours. But it's not like you're worried about it since you've done went there and prepared the bodies for us and the house that we're fixing to move into. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Touch every heart today, would you, Father? In Jesus Christ's name. I mean, needs a little touch today from the Lord, just strength from the Lord Jesus as you're facing your journey. Maybe it's sickness, maybe it's death. Who knows what it can be, a variety of things, of course. Would you just raise your hand? I need you, Lord. I need you right now, Jesus. Lord, if you want to shout me, that'll be fine. Lord, if you want to dance me like it's so weak, I I just nearly pass out, that'll be fine. Lord, if you just want to come by and just give a little yank. Praise God. Praise God. That'll be good too, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Come by Happy Valley this morning, would you, Lord God? Oh, Jesus, would you visit us? Would you comfort us in the loss of our loved ones? Would you bring healing to those that are still dealing with effects of COVID? Others, Lord, that are dealing with other things in their body?
Lord, Sister Shirley fallen and hurting herself, Father God, I pray that you'd touch our sister today, Lord. Dear God, others that we've mentioned their names, Father God, may you minister healing, strength, courage to your children today. We need you, Lord Jesus. We need you right now. We plan on coming back Wednesday night if you'll let us. But Lord, I, I need a touch today. I need your healing right now, Father. Would you go there, Lord God, into the short family today and comfort them. Dear God, as I looked and saw the pain, the brokenness in their eyes and their hearts yesterday, Lord, their only son, oh, Lamb of God, would you help them today, Jesus? I know today's going to be really hard, Father, for Sister Linda, Brother Scotty, and Lisha and the girls. Sister Judy, Lord, today, Brother Jimmy's birthday. Oh, but he's got another burst now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's been burst into another body. And we don't cry for him, Lord, but we rejoice for him. But we cry for ourselves, I guess, and missing him and the loneliness that it generates. We need you, Lord Jesus. We need you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. Can we just raise our hands, as it were, as a point of contact? And remember the prophet using that, a point of contact by which the Spirit of God can be able to just reach up. We reach up and He reaches down. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Praise God. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Hallelujah. Sweet Jesus, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Oh, sing it to him, children. Just lift your hands, your voices. I lift my hands. Bow my knees and worship at your throne. Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Everybody, let's worship him now. Remember, this is the way Joe did. Remember her, Eliana, my granddaughter, sick today. 
Erica not feeling well, whoever the Lord places on your heart right now, let's just take them before the throne of God. Remember brother so-and-so, Lord, sister so-and-so, Lord, they need you, Lord, right now. Oh, right now, right now. I lift my hands and bow my knees to worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Can we sing it this way now as a body? We need you, Lord. You'll find 
of you can say that you needed what you heard this morning? Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Been good to have been in the house of the Lord. Just want to make mention this morning, Brother Tim Airwood. He's in service with us today. Brother Tim, been very sick. The Lord let our brother be back in, in the house of the Lord. Brother Tim, God bless you. Praise the Lord. Certainly appreciate what God's done for our brother. Brother Ron Daly back in service with us today. Thank God for that. Amen. Brother Tony lost his mother and I think had her services this week. He's back in service with us today. Sister Linda Nunley back in service with us. Best place in the world you can be is right in the house of the Lord. Amen. Remember service on Wednesday night. Let's just come back. We'll, we're just looking forward to what God's got for us. He's got great things. You believe that? Somebody say praise the Lord. I certainly appreciate the word of the Lord this morning, Brother Donnie. God bless your heart, buddy. Amen. Amen. Brother Harry, sing, sing the course to that. Something keeps holding me, if you would, just before we leave. Aren't you glad that you've got a tie post? Something holding you this morning. Praise the Lord. Let's sing it just before we leave. Thank you, Lord. Something keeps holding me.